0: DRN, Pause, Renew, Next, a podcast about soul care, scripture, and stories of faith. I'm Jenny Detweiler, and friends, I'm so glad that you joined me here today. It's the first Tuesday of the month, and that means I've got a guest interview for you today. My guest on this podcast is Ed Corey, and he is a wealth of knowledge and wisdom on so many subjects some of which are substance abuse and recovery because he's worked in that field for many, many years. He also knows a ton about neuroscience and attachment, and he's extremely knowledgeable about the Bible as well. So it was such a joy and a delight to talk with him. Ed recently wrote a book called Becoming a Face of Grace, Navigating Lasting Relationship with God and Others. I read this book over Christmas break and it is such a treasure trove of good stuff, you guys. It was really fun to unpack a little bit of it with him in this interview. If you've been a Christian for long, chances are you've heard the word grace thrown around quite a bit. And you may think you know what it means. But in his book and in this interview, Ed unpacks it for us even further. I came away from this conversation encouraged and enlightened and I think that you will too. So without further ado, Let's jump into the conversation. Well, Ed, thank you and welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself, your family, your ministry?
1: Sure. I'm really glad to be here with you. Um, It's really good to have met you. I live in Conover with my wife, Maritza. Uh, We lead a ministry called Equipping Hearts. For the harvest, and we travel and train all over the place to—I um, oh, mean, all over the world—to um, help people serve um, people who are hurting better and to build healthy community. Um, I have a daughter named Denny, who you know, who I just love to death. She's awesome. Marita has four boys, which are also. A lot of fun.
0: So fun fact for the listeners. Denny was on my podcast back in the day. So um, I don't remember exactly which episode. I'm going to have to link to it in the show notes so people can go back and listen to her episode too. She is my colleague and I love her to death. So I was really excited to get to meet you too. Thank you. Yeah. So in today's podcast, part of the reason I wanted to have you on, well, you're a wealth of knowledge. So I feel like there are so many different things we could talk about. But you recently wrote a book called Becoming a Face of Grace, and I really wanted to dive into that with you today. Can you share with us a little bit about what led you to write that book?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about people discovering God's heart for them. Um, There are few things in life that are more fun and satisfying than to see people's face light up when they finally start to catch a glimpse of how God actually thinks and feels about them. So Becoming a Face of Grace is um, designed to help people discover relational grace so they can begin to experience it with God and with others and to share it. Um, I wrote it specifically from a scriptural foundation because I've done a lot of work with neuroscience in the past, but a lot of more conservative pastors and leaders had a real problem with the neuroscience end of it, and I understand that that's not a knock on them. It's just very different. It's not biblical per se. I mean, it's it's biblical, but not using scriptural language enough. So I went back to the drawing board to say, how can, how can I find in scripture what I've been teaching in neuroscience? And I think I found it with grace.
0: I loved the way that you wrote this book because each one has a separate chapter. But at the end of each chapter, you have it broken up into applicable sections, multiple applicable sections, ways that you can do it in a group if you wanted to do it as a small group, which this book is written in a way that would be probably the most helpful to do it with other people, since it's all about interacting with other people. But also scripture, homework, all kinds of ways to make it a part of your life and really work it in. And I think that that was really intentional. Can you talk about that and how you came to write it in that way?
1: Yeah, good ideas without something practical is a nice theory. And theories don't change anybody's life. I mean, um, believing something is not the same as acting on believing it. So I thought it was really important to add exercises at the end of each chapter for individuals and for groups to be able to engage with God directly about Scripture share stories about their own experiences of grace, and answer questions that are designed to help people apply um, chapter content to their own lives. I think without the practice part uh, or the application part, it's just another nice book on theory.
0: Well, I loved that, and it really made it stand out. And I I hope that after listening today, um, my listeners will want to go out and check it out for themselves. I think it's really helpful. So let's talk about grace for a minute, because that's what your book is all about. Grace is a word that's thrown around a lot in the Christian community. In fact, I go to a church named Grace. (laughs) Um, How do you define grace, and what do you think it means for healthy relationships?
1: Grace is entirely relational. You really can't experience it apart from relationships. Um, Grace, when I was a new Christian, meant unmerited favor that God does something for you, or gives you something that you couldn't possibly earn, and so that's grace. And that's true, but it's a small part of what grace actually is. A guy named John Barclay wrote a book called Paul and the Gift. Um, I listened to him on a podcast, and then I got the book. And um, Barclay takes the issue of grace and traces it back to ancient Greece. Like, what did that word mean in ancient Greece? Because Paul didn't invent something new. And in Greece, it was the way you started a relationship with someone that was ongoing and enduring. Um, It was usually um, someone of a wealthier, um, higher social status, who for whatever reason wanted to have a relationship with someone. And uh, the wealthy or higher status guy would call his servant and give him a gift that was called the grace or the caress. And the servant would take it to the other guy's house, knock on the door, Um, you answer it because you probably don't have a servant. And the servant says, this is a caress from my master. And it is understood at that point that this is a gift signifying, I want to have a relationship with you that's ongoing and enduring. And in receiving it, I'm acknowledging, hey, this is a nice present. But I'm also acknowledging, yes, I want to have a relationship with you. It means that somehow I am favored or favorite or special to you. So to me, grace is all about realizing that we are God's favorite. We are special to him, and so is everyone else that you run into. So grace, apart from that context of relationship, it's like all the life gets sucked out of all the richness of grace if you take it apart from relationship and just say, well, it's a theology of how I go to heaven.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. I, I don't think I've ever thought about it like that before. That is really neat. Um, so that totally makes sense as to God sending his son as a gift for us because mm-hmm. we are his favorites. And what does that look like practically in the church as we are caring for each other? Because that's a lot of what your book is about too.
1: I think God always expected that grace received is to be grace shared. Uh, You read the passage um, where Jesus said, so you lend to others and you think that's, you know, you think that's great. Um, And, and actually the, the, the wording in that passage is, um, Um, what credit is that to you? You lend to those who can pay you back. So what credit is that to you? That's actually the word grace. Um, And he, he goes through this whole list of things. You do this for people, it'll pay you back or do this thing that will do nice things for you. And he keeps saying, where's the credit? That's great. Where's the grace in that? It's almost like special and favorite is a gift we give each other in face-to-face interpersonal reactions, it's all about learning to see ourselves like God does and beginning to see everyone else like he does. It's an incredible gift.
0: So that takes us to the neuroscience part because I like that part. (laughs) And I totally think as a Christian counselor, That They're not separate. They are together because, no, the Bible isn't written in neuroscience terms, but Romans 12, 2 is really all about neuroscience and how we renew our minds. Well, we know that that actually happens. Our brains are plastic and they can be rewired. It's amazing. So I love how you weave themes of neuroscience and attachment into your writing. Mm -hmm. Can you share how secure grace-based attachment to other humans and attachment to God, how that affects and changes us?
1: Grace and joy are two forms of the same Greek word. So, where you get grace, you will find high energy joy. Like, it's when somebody treats me as special and favorite, my reaction is, They're glad to be with me. This is awesome. It's amazing. And my brain recognizes that in 40 milliseconds, which is faster than conscious thought. Alan Shore is a neuro. Scientists who has written some really groundbreaking books. Um, he talks about joy experienced um, nonverbally and face-to-face, nonverbal communication between moms and babies as the foundation for the development of a healthy brain. And the stronger and more secure that attachment is based on um, face-to-face, nonverbal interactions in the first couple years of life, that will tend to determine, A, how well our brain functions for the rest of our life, but B, the kind of relationships we will form with God and others throughout our lifetime. Now, grace to me, sort of precedes joy. It's like, why are you special and favorite? Because I see you as special and favorite. Um, Why am I glad to be with you? Because you're special and favorite. So I think um, biblically, if you understand grace relationally, um, it's really designed to do for our brain exactly what God designed our brains to need. And uh, I think family and spiritual family need to be marked by the special and favorite thing. So that, that issue of attachment is absolutely um, critical. And I think grace is what um, helps those attachments be healthy and strong.
0: I love that. Kurt Thompson, do you know who he is?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He has a quote that I really love. And it says something like, we come into the world looking for somebody who's looking for us. And I and I love that so much because isn't that all about what attachment is and what we're talking about today? We're always looking for somebody's looking for us who loves us, and God does, and our moms do. Yeah,
1: babies are born um, wired to look for faces. Um, they do, and uh, they need to see a face of grace smiling back at them. It's God's design for us. It's like. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. We're born looking for someone who'll be looking for us.
0: Okay, so in your book, I think you were really vulnerable to share some of the places in your life where God has found you. And one of those was about a season of life where you actually were in physical pain for a period of time. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and how God met you through that season?
1: Yeah, I got hurt at work. Um, I messed up my knee, and uh, I ended up developing a disease that was then called reflex sympathetic dystrophy. It's now called chronic regional pain syndrome. The problem was it was it did not confine itself to my knee. It spread all over my body, and it's the kind of pain that um, the slightest touch, even air from a ceiling fan blowing on skin, feels like. Uh, burning like you're getting burned or stuck with a match, I mean touch was ridiculously painful, and um it was really tough because I lost a lot during that. It lasted for about ten years, and uh you know, I wish I'd have handled it better in the beginning, but I was more or less freaking freaking out and trying to figure out what do I do and dealing with all the um kind of the depression, the anxiety, everything that goes with having a chronic illness that pretty much leaves you unable to function. The thing that I learned over time through a lot of losses is that God was with me. Um, Apart from what I could do, um, apart from what I could produce, apart from what I could think, God's presence became very real and very strong to me part of, there's that sense of God's presence and suffering that hasn't left. It's still with me. I'm not looking forward to suffering. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I don't think anybody does unless there's something wrong with you. But, uh, you know, the sense of God's presence being with me and finding his peace in the middle of that was um, worth the trip. Um, I wish the trip hadn't been so painful, but in the end, it was worth the trip.
0: I'm just curious, how did it resolve?
1: Um, It was really miraculous. and That's a very long story that you don't have time for, except it happened on a mission trip to Spain. I was there at an international conference working um, with people from all over the world, working Christians, working with addictions and, um, I had a great conversation with Maritza that night. We weren't married then. And she told me a couple things, and I thought she'd probably heard from God concerning my disease. She said, first, um, God wants to heal you. And I'm like, well, why would he want to do that? Because I've had so many people tell me, well, God wants to this and that and this and that, and nothing happened. So I said, so why why is that? And she said, first, you have determined that no matter what shape you're in, you're going to do what God's called you to do for the rest of your life, which was true. And this was really the first conversation we'd had of any significance. I barely knew her. And the second thing she said is the purpose God wanted to accomplish in you through this has been done. So there's no need for it. I knew she heard God because It's not like God made me sick. He did not do that. But I knew early on he told me he was going to use this to do some things in me. Um, So when she said that, I thought she must have heard God because I sure didn't tell her. So we said goodnight. She went off to her room. I went off to mine. And um, I got up the next morning and my legs were fine. Um, It was like nobody prayed for me. There was no this dramatic... Ta-da! Healing moment. It was just while I was asleep. Um, and over the next couple of weeks the disease worked its way out of um my arms, my hands, my face, you know, bunch of bunch of places. So it was pretty it was definitely miraculous because when you've had it that long, it generally doesn't resolve like that. So that's That I've, is amazing. I've, it is amazing, it's very cool. <laughs>
0: I'm really glad I asked. (laughs) What an encouragement. And no wonder she became your wife. You married a prophet, it sounds like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not the brightest, but um, I thought, wow, there's something really special about this woman.
0: (laughs) For sure. So at the end of each of your chapters in your book, you write about a face of grace in your own life, which you kind of just talked about one. But I loved that part of your book because I thought it made it real and it helped us get to know you better as the reader. Can you tell us about one face of grace in your life right now and how that rela- or that has been in your past and how that relationship has impacted you?
1: Yeah, this is a new one. Um, a little backstory. Um, I went to I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school through like K through nine. And I had this incredible teacher in like sixth grade, and I guess she taught us English or religion or something in seventh and eighth grade. Her name was Sister Kathleen. <laughs> the crazy thing is, I talk on the, I have zoom calls with guys I've known from grade school, you know guys I've known since like second grade. Um, and one of them found Sister Kathleen. And so she was on a Zoom call with us the other day. And uh, I almost included her as one of the face of grace stories in the book, but I just ran out of chapters. Sister Kathleen was the kind of person that was always so glad to see you because she'd smile and her smile was genuine. Um, When she'd welcome you or tell you something, her face just reflected there's life in this. Because I had other teachers that just didn't have that experience with And the thing about her is um, everybody in our class felt that. In interacting with her, I always felt like um, I can make a difference in the world around me. It's part of my purpose. And uh, we exchanged um, a letter and an email after that Zoom call a couple months ago. I sent her a copy of the book, and she sent me the nicest email back. She um I wasn't sure how she would do with the, I'm not Catholic anymore. And she just said, You are just a friend of Jesus. <laughs> and I thought she I thought she hadn't lost it. She is still the same encouraging, you know, face of grace to me that she was back in sixth grade. And we just had a great um you know, great email and uh, and letter exchange. So she's reading the book now. Well
0: how neat is that? Um, I'm wondering how old she is now. Do you know?
1: She is in her, we were her first class. So she's in her early to mid seventies now. Yeah. Early to mid seventies. She was only probably 10 or 12 years older than us. Um, she was, she was young. And uh,
0: I love that. What a neat lady.
1: Yeah. She's really awesome. She's fun. She, we all signed up when she left, we all signed a baseball for her. Because we were all into baseball and getting autographs back in the day, she showed us the baseball on the zoom call. She saved it all these years. I'm <laughs> <Aww. laughs> like she was such a, such an empowering um, person to be around.
0: So at the end of each of your chapters, you also have a scripture reflection section
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and each chapter has a different scripture to focus on. And that's cool because I always ask my guests. Do they have a particular scripture passage or a Bible verse that either is their life verse or something that the Lord is using currently in their lives and is speaking to them about, is there a particular passage that you found yourself reflecting on lately?
1: Yeah, um, I have a lot of verses that are kind of like favorite go-tos, but the one that I've been um, kind of pondering lately is um, Philippians chapter 2 probably verse, the first part of the chapter through probably verse 12 or 13. And it's um, amazing to me because it talks about um, Jesus pretty much renouncing his rights to be treated as special and favorite, to um, be born here to treat us as special and favorite, knowing he would get killed in the end. I mean, it's like, what kind of person does that? <laughs> I mean, and then Paul says, Let's, uh, let this mind be in you, <laughs> which was in Christ Jesus. So I've been pondering that and wrestling with uh, what does that mean for me practically right now? What does it mean to, um, to be a, um, a presence or person of grace in, in my relationships now? Um, especially ones that are painful, because not all relationships feel really good. Um, so how can I continue to be a person, see people through eyes of grace when relationships are painful? That's, that is a tough one. And uh, I wish there was a very simple answer to it, except staying engaged with God and with uh, people that, will see, that see you through eyes of grace. I think it's the only way that happens.
0: You know, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Well, first of all, that's one of my favorite passages too. Talk about humbling, humbled and then humbled and then humbled and then humbled. Mm -hmm. But I haven't really ever thought about it in the terms of grace before, the way that you just talked about it. Um, And then eventually exalted to the highest place above every name. But you're right. That's what he had to do. He had to empty himself completely. But the what I just love that you brought up is in reading through this, it is really, really difficult to love people well who are kicking and flailing, so to speak, against it. You know, like it's easy to give grace to kind people who always reflect goodness to you. And it is very difficult to give it to people who are hurting, maybe like what you were talking about at the beginning of your illness. When you're in really, really deep pain, it's hard for people to want to be around you. That's just the case. And there's a lot of hurting people in the world right now who may be difficult to get along with, to show grace to, all that kind of stuff. Not because they're bad people, but trauma does that to us. So I'm really glad that you brought that up.
1: I think Jesus wants to get me to the place where I will love my enemies like he does. I mean, that's what we're called to. So it's (laughs) non-negotiable. Um, but I also think he knows learning to do that's a process and it really requires healthy spiritual family and continuing to engage with him honestly Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, what he's saying to us and honestly about how hard it is. He's not shocked anyway. He already knows. (laughs) Um, but there's something about being authentic, um, and honest Mm -hmm. with him that, uh, you know, he gives grace to the humble. He does not, proud, the word proud means to overshine. So if I'm big and bad and I think I got the spotlight, I got this God, um, I'm going to be humbled because <laughs> I can't do it. But he does give grace to the humble, which to me is authentically, this is what I want. This is how I want to do this, how I'd like to see people. I'm not even sure I know what to do or how to do it, but I want to. And here's where I'm at. And this is painful. And what do you have to, what do you want me to know about this? I think you'll speak directly um, to us conversationally and through scripture.
0: Amen and amen. And through others. Yeah. Um, I have a couple more questions for you that I didn't really prepare you for, um, but I know you've got some more I know you've got some more writing in the works. Do you want to talk about that? Or is that a surprise?
1: No, it's not a surprise. Um, I have the follow-up to Becoming a Face of Grace ready to be released next month. It's called Beyond Becoming, um, a field guide to sustainable um, transformational community. And it's picking up where Face of Grace leaves off and saying, now, how do we do this in community? How can we create communities or small group communities where we can actually practice and live this out. The third book, which is now in typesetting, um, will come out in August. It's called The Weight of Leadership, How Codependency and Misplaced Mercy Undermine Life and Ministry. And it's really a book about what is grace-based leadership versus fear-based leadership look like. And there's a fourth that I'm starting working on now. It is, you know, there's a lot of great literature on false self and there's a lot of good neuroscience on attachment and there's a lot of good stuff on addiction, but I want the working title for the fourth book is Attachment, Avatars and Addiction, Discovering the Real You. Um, I think. It's really going to highlight why attachment is so central for um, healthy life and healthy relationships and how um, strong attachment leads to a strong individual and group identity. Um, Unhealthy attachments or malformed attachments lead to the creation of a false self. It's also where addictions thrive and flourish. So exploring this issue of avatars or the image we project to other people, it's really a barrier that keeps us from recovery, and it's a barrier that keeps us from forming strong attachments. There's some really good new brain science. um, My friend Jim is just working on about how the false self operates in the brain, and um, I think it's called um, overcoming enemy mode in myself and others, which is really how to stay out of this person as my enemy. Actually, there's no way to stay out. But once you get in it, what do you do? And he identifies three types of enemy modes that the brain will lock into. Jim and I are brothers from another mother. I mean, we are that close. Um, I have weekly talks with him, and just batting around ideas um, is really helping me develop some of the fourth book.
0: Well, I'm excited. Wow, there's a lot coming out. I could just jump into a whole different conversation about avatars because, you know, having worked with people with addictions, all the attachment stuff, I think I'm fascinated just to read about that part because there's a lot there. But avatars is a very interesting word given that most people now are spending so much time online and projecting an online image, (laughs) which may or may not be exactly like their true self. So... Fascinating. I'm excited to read all those
1: books. Yep. The false self is very much into image management. And Mm -hmm. if you challenge it, the brain is highly reactive to challenges to status. Um, In 40 milliseconds, the brain will go into enemy mode if it thinks you're challenging its status. So the false self has a lot of very reactive Um, defense systems to keep it locked into place, which is why it's so pernicious when you're working with addiction. Uh, And even if you're not working with addiction, (laughs) I mean, it's, this is who I am. Don't you tell me anything else? Um, Yeah.
0: Fascinating. Okay. So if my listeners want to go and learn more about you or find any of your resources, where are the best places for them to look?
1: Um, There are two places. The first is our website which is www.equippinghearts.com. We'll post um, all the information as the books are coming out and little you know, reviews and whatnot of the books. Um, right now, Becoming a Face of Grace is available on Amazon in Kindle and in print. So going to Amazon and just Google, um, typing in um, Face of Grace or Ed Corey and the book will come up. And when the second and the third one are out, it'll, they'll also be available on Amazon.
0: Very good. And I will link to those in today's show notes too. So is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to?
1: Gosh, um, there is so much to this. There's just so much. And, uh, the interesting thing about writing and being creative is that if i was going to write face of grace now i'd add some things to it <laughs> because um you know which hopefully will come out in the in the book on attachment avatars and addiction i think helping people track the uh, the connection between fear and what it feels like Um, and how it develops into addiction, how power and control become such a part of who we are. I wish I'd been able to develop more of that and becoming a face of grace, but honestly, it's just new stuff that I'm learning. (laughs) So um, this is not, um, you know, face of grace, I think is the beginning of the journey, Um, but it ain't over. (laughs) It's going to continue.
0: Yep. Just like our real lives, right? Like we're always in process. Yep. Well, it was a real joy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Jenny. This was really a lot of fun. It's been, it's just been great.
0: Thanks again, Ed, for being on the podcast. It was a real joy to get to unpack some of your book with you and I can't wait for the next ones to come out. Friends, if you want to know more about the things that we talked about today, or if you'd like to read Ed's book, I will link to his website and where you can find his book on Amazon in today's show notes. Again, the name of his book is Becoming a Face of Grace, Navigating Lasting Relationship with God and Others. Well, friends, if something resonated with you from today's interview, I would love to hear about it. You can leave a comment under today's show notes, or you can find me on Facebook at Pause Renew Next. You can also find me on Instagram or Twitter at Pause Renew Next as well. If you enjoy this podcast, or you know somebody that it would encourage, I hope you'll pass it on. Word of mouth is my favorite, but I think sharing on social media is also a great way to spread the news. If you're not already subscribed on your favorite podcasting app, you can do that as well. Then you'll make sure not to miss even a single episode. Well, that is all for today's podcast. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN, pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.